Welcome to the True Masculine Project. My name is Eric. I'm your host and fellow student on the path of masculinity. On this show, we will discuss personal development and masculine principles so we can be the best men that we can be. If you are new to the show, welcome, and you may want to head on over to the intro episode. Uh, describes the format and a little bit more about what we want to cover here. And for the rest of us, on to the show. Hello, and uh, welcome back to the show. For those of you that listen in real time, had some uh, difficulties this week. So the podcast is a bit delayed, but as I always say, it's not about perfection, but about consistency over time. So here we are, and uh, let's get back into the story. So where we left off last week was about kingship, uh, the awakening of the internal king in the story, standing for your ability to make your own decisions, uh, having the willingness to guide your own life in the directions that you want. Uh, even knowing how to tell what you actually want in the first place, especially if you have not actually made any of your own decisions in a long time, and how the continual following of that voice makes that voice easier to hear. It makes making future decisions easier. Uh, The momentum builds up on itself. Also, as far as the story goes, uh, the boy was in the presence of the king and would not remove his hat. So the king went to talk to the cook, and so the cookie had to get rid of him, right? So we're going to see what happens to the boy as we get started here. And uh, the majority of the story so far has been about the boy. Uh, we haven't gotten into meeting uh, the feminine yet, but we're about to. Giggity, giggity. Okay, so the cook, however, had pity on the youngster and exchanged him for the gardener's boy. In the garden, the boy had to set out plants, water them, chop with hoe and spade, and let wind and bad weather do what they wished. Once in summer, when he was working in the garden by himself, it got so hot that he pulled his head covering off so that the breeze would cool his head. When the sun touched his golden hair, it glowed and blazed out so brightly that beams of sunlight went all the way into the bedroom of the king's daughter, and she leapt up to see what it could be. She spied the boy outside and called to him, Boy, bring me a batch of flowers. Uh, So he quickly put his tarboosh back on, picked some wild flowers for her, tied them in a bunch, and he started up the stairs. Now as he started up the stairs, the gardener met him and said, What are you doing bringing the king's daughter such ordinary flowers? Get moving and pick another bouquet. The best we have and the most beautiful. No, no, the boy answered. The wild flowers have a stronger fragrance and they will please her more. When the boy walked into her room, the king's daughter said, Take that head thing off, as it isn't proper to wear that in my presence. Uh, People always hating on my man's hat. Uh, To which he replied, I don't dare do that. I have the mange, you know. She, however, grabbed the tarboosh and yanked it off. His golden hair tumbled down around his shoulders, and it was magnificent to look at. He started out the door at a run, but she held him by the arm and gave him a handful of gold coins. He took them and left, but took no stock in them. In fact, he took the coins to the gardener and said, I'm giving these to your children. They could use them to play with. The next day, the king's daughter again called the boy to her and told him to bring her some more wildflowers. When he walked in with them, she reached for his hat and would have torn it away, but he held on to it with both hands. Once more, she gave him a handful of gold coins, which he refused to keep, and gave them to the gardener for his children to play with. Uh, the third day, things went the same way. She couldn't manage to get his hat off, and he wouldn't accept the gold coins. So the son plays a role in our boy in the story here, meeting the king's daughter. 
and his golden hair, which while being a metaphor for talent and trusting instincts like we spoke of before, hasn't had much of an impact in the story, but now it makes its grand entrance. Uh, The boy senses he has been seen and tries to cover his hair up, but it happens too late. Similar to how uh, those those meet-cute scenes work in movies where you have sort of chance happenings that end up uh, being something uh, major in your life, that's what happened here in this story. Now let's see what we know about her so far. One, she starts things. She's the one who calls out to see the boy. He doesn't go up there on his own record. She makes that happen. Two, she's the king's daughter, so she is related to the sacred king. Uh, three, she likes gold and the boy's golden hair uh, and what it stands for, right? The ability to make your own decisions, trusting in your own instincts, willing to go against the grain a little bit and not just doing what people tell you just because uh, they told you to do so, but because you thought about it and it actually makes sense. That action is uh, a right one to take. And four, she knows things. So the king never figured out why the boy kept his hat covered. But the princess has figured out what's going on underneath a man's cap. So she knows a bit more than he does. Is a little bit more inquisitive. Now, like I mentioned before, this is our boy's first encounter with the feminine here. And in, you know, real life space, he may have met women before in the past. Uh, but it was never really a deep connection where she was encouraging or noticed of his talents. Uh, the big thing here is that when you get in a relationship with a, a good woman, she will encourage you to do things that maybe you didn't think that you could do before. She's going to see the greatness in you and then nurture and want you to live up to that standard, right? Now, not all women are going to do this because not all people are in the same space. But uh, it's my opinion that any long-term partner, you're going to want her uh, to be able to see the good things in you. And just as I mentioned in the previous episode, yeah, just like you should check her on things or at least touch base, you know, uh, communication and relationships are going to vary from person to person. Whenever you feel that she is shrinking from something that she wants to do, a good woman would do that same thing for you. She will see the golden hair, which uh, represents talents here, and she will want you to display that to the world, not hide um, and keep your talents hidden, but to step out, be seen and make a difference with your life and the lives of others. And this doesn't have to be some grand thing, right? Like if you're a if you're a manager at a company, be the best manager that you could be, right? No half-assing it at the job. Uh, if you are a teacher, be the best teacher you could be. The point is, is that she will see what is great about you and encourage those things. Now in the book, uh, this section starts to go into a bit about not confusing the uh, ape woman for the divine feminine, right? So basically don't think that you're going to get all of the feminine qualities, you know, like an actual goddess in a regular person, just like you are not Zeus and your partner is not going to get all of the qualities of Zeus in a regular person, right? We are all people. We all make mistakes. You don't need to put yourself or anybody else on a pedestal and you should be fine here. Now, all this starts after the kitchen work which we uh, discussed with that man before, and the boy is sent out to work in the garden. Now, the garden here stands for a place specifically prepared by people, an area set aside for inward work. The garden provides shelter from the events of the world and a place to recover from broken trust. It is in the garden that you are able to truly gather your thoughts, uh, whatever that garden may be. You could take the time to meditate or question the direction you were going in, Uh, Now, you can't do any of these things during the regular 
uh, hustle and bustle of life, right? You can't question uh, what's going on in your life, what you should do, what your next action should be while you're in the stress of actually doing your day-to-day job or raising kids or whatever other things that you have that takes your time during the day. You have to have a set-aside space or garden, in this case, to do that in, a place for change and internal growth to, uh, to see where we got habits from and take the time to change those if we want to understand that not all of the beliefs we hold are ours, but uh, maybe something you adopted without thinking from your parents. Any of that type of work that you want to do is going to require a quote-unquote garden space. Uh, you're not just going to do that in the living room with Netflix on. Uh, you need a set-aside space, some quiet time for you to uh, to get with your thoughts so you could really see what's actually happening in your head. Now, Robert Bly drops an interesting quote here. And it's a Celtic quote, which I looked it up to see if Celtic or Celtic was correct. And funnily enough, both options are recognized. But the old initiators used to say to never give a sword to a man who can't dance. That warriorhood is a necessary step. Um, and we'll get to what I mean by warriorhood. It's not always about fighting wars. It's a necessary step in any man's life. But you didn't want to introduce him to that energy without having him understand the importance of life to temper down some of the warrior instincts to something that works in the middle, right? You don't want to go too far to the right where you are too aggressive, too eager to start fights. You see everything as a nail and the only tool that you have is a hammer. But you also don't want to be too far on the other side where you don't have any backbone, any willingness to do what you want to do at all either so they tried to uh, put people sort of in the middle space and this is more about developing the inner warrior than the outer warrior although both are necessary uh, the type of understanding that allows you to enforce proper boundaries not just understand what these boundaries are and to stand up for ourselves these internal warriors exist to defend boundaries and are not the aggressors in conflicts the warrior is able to differentiate the world and cut things into two right right and wrong black and white this or that and it's also in service to something larger than himself and in this service this allows you to do things um, to go on even when things get hard um, he's able to work long hours when it's necessary endure harsh weather and generally do what needs to be done in service of the goal now the ability to strategize make plans think long in advance and then execute on those plans are all in the realm of the warrior the importance of awakening your inner king or the king could not be uh, overstated before you get to just doing things because otherwise you can end up doing things just going in a direction because someone told you to do it and it may not be what you want to do and it's hard to put a project down once you pick it up right the momentum is already moving in a direction and you could be following someone's instructions just to follow them, which may not come out to positive um, results for you or the people in your community. You have to think about all of the atrocities in the world that were committed by people who were just following orders. And don't get the wrong idea here. I'm not bashing uh, the military. As long as our world is in the current state that it is in, you're going to need a force to sort of keep things under control or at least the ability to respond to other people doing random shit because humanity has not gotten to the point where we all live as the one big family that we are. But uh, let's go with an easy example for work. So you're in a sales job and you realize through your discovery process that this product is not good for this customer. 
but your manager tells you to sell the product anyway, which you know would screw over this person in the future. Do you do this or not? Uh, without a proper king awakened inside of you to decide that, hey, this is the wrong thing, then you're just going to go ahead and use that warrior energy, that energy that gets things done to sell this product, even though you knew that it was a, the wrong thing for the client. Uh, that's the type of thing that I'm talking about here, just following orders. You don't just do things because someone said to do them. They need to feel right and be right. Here's how the story introduces the warrior. Not long after, the kingdom was swept up in war and the king wasn't positive he could succeed against the enemy who was powerful and retained a large army. The gardener's boy, our main character, said, I'm quite grown now and I will go to war if you would give me a horse. The other men laughed and declared, when we've gone, go look in the stable and we have certainly left a horse for you. When they had all gone, the boy went to the barn and led a horse out. It was lame in one leg and went hippity hoppity when it walked. He climbed on it and rode to the dark forest. When he got to the edge, he said three times, Iron John, so loud that it echoed throughout the trees. Eventually, Iron John came to the edge of the forest and said, What is it that you want? The boy replies that he wants a strong war horse because I intend to go to the war. You receive that and more, replies Iron John, and the wild man turned around and went back into the woods. And not long after, a stable boy returned leading a war horse that blew air through its nostrils and wasn't easy to hold in. Coming along after was an entire band of warriors covered in iron armor and their swords shined in the sun. The boy turned his three-legged nag over to the stable boy, mounted the new horse, and rode out ahead in front of the soldiers. By the time he neared the battlefield, a large part of the king's men had already been killed and not much more was needed to bring them to total defeat. The boy and his iron band rode in at full speed and struck down everyone that opposed him. The enemy turned to flee, but the boy kept after them and pursued them to the last man. But then, instead of returning to the king, the boy took a roundabout way through the forest back to where, where he met Iron John. He again called out for him, and Iron John met him at the forest edge. What do you want? said Iron John. You can take your man and your horse back and give me again the three-legged nag. So it happened as he requested, and he rode the hoppity hop back home. When the king returned to his castle, the daughter came out to congratulate him on his victory. It wasn't me, he said, who managed that victory, but a strange knight and his warrior band who arrived to help. The daughter asked who this strange knight was, but the king didn't know, and he added that he galloped off in pursuit of the enemy, and that's the last he saw of him. The girl asked the gardener about his boy, but he laughed and said he was just now arriving home on his three-legged nag. A farm help made fun of him and said, guess who's here? Moopy Goop. Then they said, you must have been under a lilac bush, huh? How was it? The boy said back to them, I fought very well. And if it hadn't been for me, who knows what would have happened? And the uh, the guys who we were talking to all fell over laughing. Uh, so it seems like they don't believe that it's our main character here, but they go find out. And now a brief word from one of our sponsors, Audible. Hey guys, I've mentioned a lot of books over the course of this show. After all, it is much better to take the lessons that someone else has distilled down into a book instead of you making those same mistakes going throughout your life. But we don't always have the time to sit down and read the book. That's why I've partnered with Audible, the leading provider of audiobooks and other types of spoken word entertainment, including podcasts like this one. Audible has thousands of titles to choose from, including Iron John, 
the book we are talking about today, which is wonderfully narrated. Uh, what Everybody is Saying, a extremely important beginner's guide into body language, and the works of Robert Greene, including The 48 Laws of Power and The Laws of Human Nature, two more of my favorites. One of my favorite things about Audible is that I can switch between my smartphone and my tablet without losing my spot, and it allows me to read while in transition moments like making dinner for myself or working out at the gym. Your membership comes with a free book every month, and when you use my code to sign up for your 30-day free trial, your first book is free. Go to audibletrial.com slash truempodcast to get started. That's audibletrial, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L.com slash T-R-U-E-M-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. And now, back to the show. So this part of the story starts with the kingdom being invaded. And if the characters in our story stand in for our own psyche, then we can conclude that we have been invaded. Robert Bly states that the battle takes place now, not because the mental invasion is actually new, but because the boy in our story has realized that it has taken place. But who or what is invading? The invasion is more than a distraction or annoyance, but a real problem, as the story states that the king is in danger of losing the battle. Could it be pressures from the outside, that feeling of going along to get along, perhaps continuing down a path that you know is wrong for you to please someone else? In any case, when the king is in danger, it is time to wake up the internal warrior and learn how to fight. Notice that the warrior pursues the battle to the end with no half measures. Once you start down the path, you need to continue that path to its logical conclusion, leaving, uh, you know, just far as habit formation or anything else. You don't want to go halfway. Halfway solves no problems. In fact, it probably creates more problems because you've got to deal with this same issue just further down the road. Once you decide to make a change, don't kick the can, just make the change. Another interesting detail is the three-legged horse the boy gets out of the stable. Four is a more complete number than three. Uh, we all know that horses tend to have four good legs. A four-gated city is more impressive than a three-gated city. It's hard to imagine a planet with three directions, three cardinal directions instead of four cardinal directions, um, and then three seasons instead of four. So it's clear that there is something missing or going on with this horse. Um, and in the days of old, the horse also has uh, been used as a stand-in for the physical, more animal parts of man, um, with the mental part as the rider. Uh, so Robert Bly considers the fourth leg to be a shamed leg, a piece of shame that people receive about their physical bodies, right? The more religious your country is, the more shame you're going to get just most likely around sex as a way of controlling people. Um, so thusly, the boy has been shamed and the horse walks with a limp. In any case, shame can come from any number, number of outside forces. Uh, now, the story implies that the boy can get rid of or start to work with the shame by coming in touch to the wild man, um, getting back in touch with who you are as a person, learning how to sit in ritual space, the garden, as it were, and get down to what's actually going on with you. And this process of growing up um, changing from boyhood to manhood to understand that you can't um, change what happened in the past, the events are the events, but you can learn to move forward, awaken the inner warrior so that you are not shamed further. And just like previously, uh, the wild man does not save you, the wild man helps you save yourself. 
even if uh, the wild man stands in for a mentor in this story, the mentor does not save you. You save yourself. The mentor, the guy, can sort of show you things that you might not see, but ultimately any change that you make in your life will always be up to you. In addition to the physical aspects that we mentioned about warrior energy before, the warrior also lives in the mental plane as well, especially when it comes to discourse of ideas, you know, general debate, or having a conversation trying to work things out with a partner. I don't know when it got to the point that if someone disagrees with you that they're just the worst person ever. Um, and outside of things that are just obviously egregious, like racism, like these people are worse because of the color of their skin, even if I don't agree with what you have to say, I can try to get to the point of how you got to that idea, assuming you know how you got to that idea. Like if we, if I start asking you questions and you can't really give me why you think this way, then I know you're just regurgitating to some point that you heard from someone else and that's not nearly as interesting. Um, in fact, I'm probably done with the conversation at that point because you haven't taken the time to think about why you hold that belief in the first place. But if you can explain why you think something is a certain way, I may not agree with it, but like I said, unless it's like some racist nonsense, I'm not just going to cut you off from my life forever. I have friends from different sides of, you know, most spectrums. And I don't know where we got to the point where people can't create boundaries where they can have this discourse and still be friends after. But if we're going to live in communities, you can't expect everybody to get along with you. And if you're going to talk to people in general, you can't expect everybody to always have things to say or opinions that are going to not ruffle any of your feathers. You have to have a little bit thicker skin to be a little bit stronger than that so that you aren't just uh, writing everybody off or expecting everybody to agree with you because that's not going to happen. In fact, um, new ideas come from uh, us disagreeing, but then trying to find a compromise, a middle ground that works for all parties. You can't do any of this without uh, bringing some of that warrior energy to debate or heated discourse. Now, the warrior in its ability to discern, cut things in two, right, allows you to maintain your individuality or distinctiveness in a group. Now, this is going to take effort because humans being a social animal will mold themselves to the culture of whatever they're going uh, to work with. This is why positive communities can do a lot of things for people. And unfortunately, that negative communities do the same thing, just in the opposite direction. Um, whenever you get into a workplace or group, um, it's important to choose something that goes along with your values because you don't want to be spending all of this mental energy maintaining what you do believe proper values in um, the face of adversity with people believing uh, the opposite of what you do. Don't just lose yourself in the group, in the collective. You can agree with what the group wants and give your energy towards the completion of goals but you want to be able to maintain some of your own thoughts, which may be different from the some of the prevailing things that the group thinks. So that way you can provide that individualness to help the group uh, move forward, to advance. That's going to take someone, or at least some people who think a little differently. If we all thought this exact same way, then we would all just do the exact same things and you wouldn't have much change. And we touched a bit on this earlier, but in a relationship, the warrior gives you the ability to actually engage in that relationship. It is not enough after you've quartered a person to just come home from work and not actually be there. If you're going to be a partner, you need to be a partner. 
uh, relationships start to distance themselves because you take the other person for granted or that they're here and that they're always going to be here. Uh, you may not have to do as much dating or wooing or courting as you did at the start, but you still need to be engaged in the relationship. So if you have to sit down and set aside like a certain day, uh, maybe a couple of times a month that you go out to do things just depending on uh, your life situations. We all know that things come up, but you're going to need to engage in that relationship if you want to keep that relationship. Um, and the warrior energy helps you do that. If you have children, it's not enough to just be there to go to work and then feed them and then not give them any of the attention or the, uh, the necessary lessons, the parenting that they actually need. It's a big takeaway from this book in general is that your presence is required in a relationship with children and frankly your presence the actual being there is required in any relationship is that if that relationship is going to be functional um, in summary the bell scene represents getting in touch with warrior energy and truly engaging with the tensions of the world not out of anger or frustration but out of duty and understanding of what needs to be done and the will to carry it out um, as we continue to engage with life with our own free will the process of waking up that inner king um, it will be easier for you to rouse the internal warriors, the things that defend the boundaries. The king decides the boundaries. The king decides what it wants. But the king uses warriors to enforce those boundaries. Now, if you don't have any internal directions, then your warriors are just off doing whatever uh, based on what somebody else told you. We already touched on why that could be a problem. So you want to figure out what you want using that process that we detailed before. And then you need to stick to that um, using boundaries. Right. So we'll pick up from here uh, next week. I love you guys. Be good to each other and I'll see you soon. Thank you for hanging out with me on the True Masculine Project. Please like, rate and subscribe in your favorite podcasting app. Uh, if you want to interact with the show, you can catch us on Instagram at True, T-R-U-E-M-P underscore podcast. See you next time.